Thank you so much, student choir, for singing that beautiful hymn to us, the gospel song. And thank you, Randy, for leading our student choir so well. We're grateful to the Lord for that. I'd like to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and look with me to the book of Exodus as we continue to make our way through this text of Scripture and see the revelation of God to His people. Exodus chapter 7 will be in chapter 7 verses 8 through 13 this morning as we reflect on this text. You'll notice that this is the very beginning of what we have come to call the plague narratives. These plague narratives are essentially 10 miraculous signs that are displayed that uses a number of images to communicate judgment against the nation of Israel and Pharaoh for their stubbornness and their unwillingness to obey God. But there are also seven miraculous signs that are 10 miraculous signs that communicate God's superiority. It shows the sovereignty of God. We call them 10, but in this narrative, there are really 12. These 10 are bookended by this first sign that starts this narrative with Aaron and Moses' stick as it is thrown to the ground and turns into a snake. And it concludes with the very heart of the book of Exodus with Moses leading the nation of Israel across the, the dry, dead sea. There are 12 miraculous signs that communicate the superiority of God against these foreign nations, against this foreign nation, against those who rebel against him. It's though here in this text of scripture, in Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13, that God is seeking once again to reassure Moses and Aaron that they are indeed the two that God has commissioned to carry out his task. God works through his people. God works through his people to encourage us and accomplish his will through us. God works through his people to encourage us and to accomplish his will through us. Exodus is a narrative of God using the people that he has called to accomplish his will. And friends, the narrative of the book of Exodus is not some ancient story about an ancient Near Eastern deity that used to work in a certain way for us to look back on and marvel. No, Exodus is a narrative that reveals a God who has worked in the past and is currently working in the present and will work in the future to accomplish his task through his people. As we begin this narrative that's going to take us through some of the most poetic, 
some of the most controversial, some of the most powerful narratives in all of the Bible. God begins this narrative in simplicity as a means yet again to encourage Moses that indeed God has called him and will use him. Aren't you thankful that this same God is working in this same way in our own hearts, in our own lives, when we, like Moses, also question God's commission in our life? Hear this narrative this morning, and you too be encouraged, and you too be reminded that God is still using us to accomplish his will. Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when, Pha- when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff, cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned all his wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same. But notice the text of Scripture. How did they accomplish their task by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But notice this. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs, and still... Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. We see first here in verses 8 and 9 that God has commissioned Moses and Aaron to accomplish his will. God has already given, we've seen this text going all the way back to Exodus chapter 4, that God has called, that God has commissioned Moses, and by extension, Aaron, to go to this most powerful man, this this one that represented deity for the Egyptians, this one who himself thought of himself as a God incarnate, if you will, the one who represented all of the deities of Egypt. They were to go before this God, and say to this God, the one true living God has a declaration to make against you. We already know what that declaration is. What is it? Let my people go. But notice as this text unfolds, as it will happen from time to time in these other plague narratives, not every time do we see this recommunication 
of what God's directive is. Clearly, Pharaoh knows exactly what Yahweh anticipates and expects. So God commissions Moses and Aaron to go before Pharaoh and to prove themselves before Pharaoh by working a miracle. What is this commission to be? To take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh so that it may become a serpent. Now prior to this text, how has Moses and Aaron, by extension, how have they really understood this task? Are they gung-ho for it? Are they really excited? Are they thrilled? Are they beating their chest? No. There's a sense of anxiety. There's a sense of an unwillingness. Do we do we really need to do this? We've already traced the narrative of Moses' excuses before God. God, I can't even communicate. What in the world are you thinking? Friends, this text reminds us that God does not commission us on our ability. God gives us a commission based on his desire. What is God's desire? That we as his people might make his name known, that we might make much of the name of God, that we might display God's character and God's nature, that we might reveal God, that we might point people to Christ. We see this narrative unfold thousands of times over in the text of Scripture as God commissions His people over and over and over and over again to accomplish His task. We look at this narrative and maybe we think this commission is really unrealistic. Suppose I'm the ambassador for the United States to Russia today, given the current climax, given the current context. And the President of the United States, President Biden, says, Ambassador Richardson, I want you to go today before, before President Putin and tell President Putin, stop this. Stop carrying out this war. We've seen the narrative that has taken place over the course of the last six, seven, eight months. Think there's any chance? Is he going to listen to me, an unknown ambassador, on behalf of the United States, we, we look at this situation and we say, absolutely, there's no way this is going to be accomplished. We look at this situation in Exodus and we say, little Moses, before the powerful, mighty Pharaoh, of course this narrative isn't 
going to work. But as grave as this situation is, friends, there is a commission to which God has given, for which God has given to each of us. And it is a commission that in a number of ways is far more difficult than this text. God has given to you and me a commission to go and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ before people who do not believe. And I propose to you this morning that it's a far more difficult task to see a cold, dead, hate-filled heart regenerated by the power of the Word of God and turned into a heart of belief than it is for Moses and Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron to stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. We carry the same difficult commission on behalf of God toward a hard-hearted, rebellious, stiff-necked people. How are you carrying out God's commission today? Notice what this text of Scripture says. Then the Lord said, when you do go, this is what you shall do. See, friends, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God has not only given us our commission to go and be ambassadors of Christ, but he's also given us the very words of reconciliation. Just as God has given to Moses and Aaron here exactly what they are to do, so too has God given you and me exactly what we are to say and to do. God has not given us a commission or a task for which he's not equipped us, he's not told us, hey, just go out there and stand on a street corner and just say whatever comes to your mind. No, God has indeed given to his people a mission and he's given us exactly what we are to say in this mission. He has given us not only the ministry of reconciliation, he's given to us also the words of reconciliation. Hear these words of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. There's our commission right there, church. This is what God has tasked us to do. Be ministers of reconciliation. And what is that ministry of reconciliation? That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's our ministry and our message. Church, the same God that's commissioned Moses and Aaron is the same God that has commissioned us. Are you fulfilling that task today? Are you fulfilling that commission today? Are you living your life out on this mission with God? God has commissioned Moses and Aaron to go before Pharaoh. And then notice what happens in in this next verse, verse 10. Moses and Aaron, how do they respond? They respond in obedience. God, wait a minute, time out. You want me to do what? Take this staff and throw it on the ground? And it's going to become a snake? And somehow we're going to prove through this that you are a mighty God and Pharaoh is going to look at that and say, no problem, people go. Verse 10, so Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh and what did they do? Just as the Lord commanded And Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants. And it became a serpent. Moses and Aaron hear the commission of God. And they fulfill the commission of God by walking in obedience. They do exactly what God has called them. As foolish as this sounds, Paul also reminds us that this gospel narrative, friends, is also a foolish narrative. Is the natural man prone? Is the pagan person, the rebellious person, are they prone to hear this narrative that there's one man who died for the sins of the world and that if you will trust in him, believe in him? that he will radically change your life? Is that a narrative that Paul says is a, is a message that people will just naturally gravitate to and say, oh yes, that sounds exceedingly reasonable. 1 Corinthians. Paul reminds us that this narrative of the cross this commission that God has given to his church, listen to these words. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. As foolish as this narrative is in Exodus, throw your staff on the ground and it's going to become a serpent. So too is the commission and the message that God has given you and me. 
But remember, friends, God's commission is not founded or rooted or based on anything in you or me. It's rooted and based and founded solely in the heart and the mind and the wisdom of God. And God has chosen the foolish, unbelievable, preposterous narrative of the cross to be the means through which He will declare His glory. And in this text, God has chosen the foolish narrative of throwing a stick on the ground and it becoming a serpent to display the glory of God. Moses and Aaron respond in obedience and joyfully at this moment carry out the commission of God. This is what God expects and anticipates from His church, that you and I would indeed walk in faithfulness to what He has commanded us. And make no mistake about it, friends, God has indeed given to you and me a commission to live out our lives on mission with Him. Are you walking in obedience to that commission today? With whom have you shared the truth of the gospel of Christ? Who are you currently investing in? Who are you currently pursuing with this gospel narrative, with this truth, with this commission? Lord commissions Moses and Aaron, they respond in obedience. And then look at verses 11 and 12. Pharaoh's magicians try to mimic the work of God. Pharaoh's magicians are going to try to mimic this work of God. Verse 11, Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same. But notice the text doesn't stop there. They do the same by what? Tricks. So see the juxtaposition of this text. Does Yahweh need a trick in his bag to accomplish his will? No. He accomplishes his will. He accomplishes this task of the stick becoming a serpent just by command of his voice to Moses and Aaron. Throw the stick on the ground. God doesn't need a trick in his bag to accomplish his will. He is the creator. And we're going to see in these coming plague narratives, as we call them, at least in the first two or three, that these same magicians are going to seek to mimic some of these aspects. But before too long, they run out of tricks in their bag, do they not? They can't mimic all of these things. But here in this text of Scripture, they seek to mimic... God's divine 
supernatural, powerful act, they seek to do the same. For each man cast down his staff, and their sticks became serpents as well. There's a well-known narrative in the book of Acts. Look with me in Acts chapter 19. It's a well-known narrative in the book of Acts as Paul is taking the gospel message to the known world. As Paul is taking this story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and declaring it, he comes to Ephesus. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 19, verse 8, that he entered the synagogue and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading people concerning the kingdom of God. In other words, Paul was faithfully preaching Christ to a group of people who did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. And look what the Bible says. As he preached, some of these people became what? Stubborn, continued in unbelief, even speaking evil of the way. Who does that remind you of in the Exodus narrative? Pharaoh. As the narrative progresses, Pharaoh continues in his stubbornness, does he not? Remaining in unbelief. So he continued to reason with these people, but look at verse 11. And God was doing what type of miracles? Extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even the handkerchiefs or aprons that they had touched, that had touched his skins, were carried away to the sick, pe sick people, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Uh-oh, look at verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jew Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who in the world are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. There will always be a group of people who are trying to mimic the authentic work of God. But friends... Just because Evangelical Church X down the road is trying to mimic the authentic power and work of a triune God does not in any way minimize our responsibility to live our lives rightly before God declaring the truth of God's Word. We will always have detractors around us. We will always have people around us who are trying to one-up us. There will always be another preacher in Baton Rouge who can communicate it better. There will always be another church 
who has better, more comfortable seating. Right, Miss Sonia? But friends, we don't live our lives in our own power or by our own might. We live our lives in light of who Christ is. We live our lives in light of who God is. Don't be distracted by those who are seeking to mimic the authentic work of God. Keep your eyes. Woodlawn, let us keep our eyes focused directly upon Christ. For there is only one who has given his life as a ransom for many. And there is only one narrative that will truly change your life and my life and the lives of those around us. The story of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice at the end of this narrative in verse 12, what happens to all those other serpents? All those other serpents are what? Swallowed up by Aaron's staff. Now friends, this is a beautiful prophetic image. Look with me in Exodus chapter 15. Exodus, Exodus chapter 15. This is Moses and the song of Moses reflecting upon the aftermath of the Exodus. And he uses this, he uses this exact same word from Exodus chapter 7 verse 12. As he's, as he's reflecting upon Pharaoh's might and his power, he says, you, talking about Yahweh, you, Yahweh, stretched out your right hand and the earth did what? Swallowed them. Moses, Moses is an Aaron staff, becomes a snake. That snake swallows these other snakes as a sign of what is to come for the nation of Egypt. It's a sign of judgment. But friends, this image and this text is not only a sign or an image that happens exclusively to the nation of Egypt for their disbelief. This is also a sign and an image that will be carried out against every person and against every nation who stands in opposition to God. Listen as Isaiah declared the power and might of God as it concerns judgment. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and what shall this day of the Lord be like? Cruel, with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy it's sinners from it. There is a day coming, friends, 
when God will finally reveal and communicate His wrath against sin once and for all. And John, Revelation chapter 21, picks up on this image that Isaiah saw from Isaiah chapter 13. And hear these words in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their position, where will it be? And the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Don't think that because of your current position and culture and life that you can avoid the anger and the wrath and the judgment of God against sin. Friend, if you're here this morning and your life is characterized as a life set apart from God, this image in Exodus is set to remind you and me that there is one God and this one God shall not be mocked nor rejected. And for those who do both, you will be swallowed up. You will be destroyed. You will be mocked. Not God. Would you trust in Jesus today, friend? If you wait until that image of Isaiah chapter 13, verse 9, to humble yourself before a mighty God, if you wait until that day of the Lord, if you wait until that moment in which Christ returns, there will no longer be a moment or a sign of hope for you, for your eternal destiny at that moment will be sealed. This is why the Scripture declares for you and for me, today is the day of salvation. Would you trust in Christ today? Would you believe in Jesus today? Would you confess Jesus as Lord right now where you are seated? For the Scripture says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Moses and Aaron receive a commission. They live that commission out in obedience to God. There are others that are around them that try to mimic this authentic work of God. And look at this last verse, verse 13. God's word is fulfilled. God will do, friends, exactly what he said he will do. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Still, Pharaoh's heart was strengthened in rebellion against God. And he would not 
listen to them. This is an image of exactly how sin works in our lives. We should not be surprised, friends, that we find people doing very callous, evil, wicked deeds and culture. For every step removed from God, for every step removed from Christ, is a step made in the strengthening of your own heart against God. But notice what this text says. Pharaoh doesn't listen. Pharaoh's heart is hardened just as God said. See, friends, things are going to happen. Not how you desire, nor how I desire, but exactly like God has said. And God has said that He will indeed send His Son, Jesus, and that Jesus will come and receive to Himself those who by faith have trusted in Him. And for those who have rejected Him, He will pour out His wrath and judgment. That will happen. Why? Just as this text says, because God has spoken, because God has said... God is using this text in Moses' life to be an encouragement. God, I can't do it. Moses submits himself willingly to the Lord. And what does God do for Moses? He reveals his might and his power. Moses is encouraged to know that God will accomplish His will through him. Church, would you be encouraged this morning to see the mighty acts of God? Would you see that act of God in Christ? And would that be an encouragement to your soul and to your life as a promise, as a reminder that God will do exactly what He has declared and God will use you and me to accomplish His will. You want to see the mighty acts of God? Walk obediently with God. You want your life to be encouraged by God? Do just as the Lord commands. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy. 
It doesn't mean that if you start doing exactly right tomorrow, all of a sudden your relationship with your spouse is going to turn exactly into perfection. It doesn't mean your children are going to start walking obediently at that moment. But it does mean, and it does come with the assurance that Jesus and Jesus alone is on our side, for He is the one that will never leave us, nor forsake us. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for the revelation of yourself to us. We thank you that you have so beautifully shown to us Christ. We thank you, God, that you've given us a commission. You've given us the resources to accomplish that commission. And even though, God, we confess, we face challenges around us. Challenges around us from those who seek to mimic authentic, true Christianity. Challenges around us as those who completely despise this gospel narrative, seek to push back. But remind us today, God, our hope is in none of those things. Our hope is exclusively in you. Would you take a few moments, friends, where you're seated today and reflect upon the preaching of God's Word? How are you living out your life on mission with God? In what ways do you see faithfulness and obedience being demonstrated in your life. Would you reflect on those for a few moments and just give thanks to God, knowing that that's not a work of yourself, but it's a work of God? In what ways do you see God miraculously changing hearts and lives around you? With whom have you shared the gospel recently and that person has come to faith in Christ? If you're not currently pursuing someone with the gospel narrative, would you ask God to give you the strength and the courage to be a Moses and Aaron and respond obediently? Would you make a commitment this morning where you're seated at this very moment that you will intentionally communicate the gospel to a neighbor, a family member, a coworker? And friend, perhaps you're here and you've never trusted in Christ. You are that Pharaoh who rejects the one true God. Would you humble yourself now before God and trust in Him?
Would you cast yourself at his feet for mercy? Would you cry out to him, acknowledging that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? Would you confess him as Lord? In just a moment, we're going to stand and corporately respond to the preaching of God's word by singing. And as we sing, myself and Pastor Travis will be down front. If you have questions about what it means to trust in Christ, please feel free to come forward and speak with one of us. We'll be glad to share with you how you can trust in Christ. But friend, you don't have to come forward and talk with one of us. There are plenty of people seated around you who would delight in sharing with you how you can trust in Christ. Please feel free to turn to one of them as we sing and say, I need to trust in Christ. Secondly, maybe God has placed upon your heart that this is a congregation in which you need to be connected to live out your life on mission with God. This would be an opportunity for you to express your interest in being part of this faith family. So as we sing, please feel free to come forward and express that interest. And thirdly, maybe you'd like for one of us just to pray with you. That you would be a Moses and an Aaron. That you would faithfully walk with God. We would delight in shepherding your heart by praying for you. Lord, as we respond now, we ask that our response might be pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.